welcome to Single Mom Mindset, the podcast, a place for choice moms, donor-conceived people, and non-traditional families. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the show. Today I have Jillian. She is a donor-conceived woman that was raised by a single mom by choice. She is in law school and is, I might say, smart as fuck. And she's also an advocate for donor-conceived people. I'm so excited to be able to chat with her today. So thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, Okay, I have insane amounts of questions. Um, I've been able to chat with one other donor-conceived woman named Kiara. She's amazing, incredible. She's been such a eye-opener, I guess, just because it's so awesome to be able to see the perspective I guess like kind of how my son's going to see things or the experiences that he's going to have and why not get ahead of it, right? If there's going to be hiccups or issues or hurdles that he's going to have to get over or face, how can I be the best mom for him and help him get through things or maybe avoid some things too? Um, So it's really an honor to be able to talk to you and be able to get your perspective and hear your story. And I know all the other choice moms are trying to conceive choice moms are freaking out and are so excited to hear from you too. So if we can just start with your story, um, I know obviously that you were raised by a single mom by choice, but how did she get to that point? And what was a little bit of your own story? If you could start with that, please. Yeah, Absolutely. So my mom decided to have me um, through the donor conception route after, um, I guess it just didn't work out with, um, you know, finding a husband. And so she had this kind of like now or never feeling and uh, she was actually 42 when she had me. Yeah. Sorry, mom, for exposing that one. But (laughs) Um, 42 is still young there's so many moms that are having babies at 40 42 45 and older so like why not you can make it work do it absolutely so she um had me through that route all of my family knew her friends knew that I you know when I was going to be donor conceived and so I already had that kind of network once I was born it was never a secret it was never something I had to be ashamed of And so I really appreciated that because it was so normalized and I could easily talk about the donor or questions I had with literally anybody and nobody batted an eye. Um, It was also nice that because my friends and their families knew that I was donor conceived, that if there was ever like a daddy daughter event, their dads would step up and be like, Hey, why don't I take you? Or, Hey, I'm here for you. Um, it's amazing because okay. like they knew they weren't stepping on toes. They didn't, there wasn't right. that awkward. Um, I don't want to, you know, be offend anybody, but territory. yeah. yeah. And so that was always really nice. Um, but so I always knew I was donor conceived through an anonymous sperm donor. Let's see, maybe by the time I was in middle school, high school, DNA testing was pretty popular on all the commercials on TV. Yeah. 23andMe was everywhere. mm -hmm. Yeah. So my mom offered to pay for a DNA test so that I could find half siblings. We never really thought about ever finding the donor. For some reason, that didn't click in our mind that that was a possibility just because we always thought it would be impossible. Right. um, Just because of how the system is. Yes. And so it took me a while to be ready. I finally DNA tested in 2020. And... It 
was actually discouraging. I didn't connect with any half siblings and that was my dream my whole life. Mm. And so I closed the DNA test results and did not open them again until uh, March of 2021 at like two in the morning. I decided I was going to figure it out. I was going to find who the donor was, who my biological father was. Mm. I saw this video on Facebook that night actually of a donor conceived person who connected with the biological father and it was a pretty positive experience and I decided I wanted to know um, even if he didn't want to know me I just wanted to know I wanted to see that picture of him I wanted to know his name okay and so it took me a couple hours but I figured it out and um cue mental breakdown <laughs> and oh, freak no. out and okay. of course it was the middle of the night so I couldn't go and call my mom or you know all these things um because she had work in the, the next morning so she was so you're dealing with really this bad. by yourself in the middle of the night yeah. okay yeah, we don't recommend wait until yeah. the morning or until somebody's up okay oh no okay yeah okay so um I called her when she was at work the next day and I said, you know, basically, mom, I I think I found him. I think I found my biological father. And immediately she's like, send me a picture. I want to, I want to see. She wants to see him too. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it, I eventually emailed him, I think a week later and he, from the, from the start, he was really welcoming and positive and um, told his family the, the, within 24 hours of me emailing him that he had oh, been wow. a donor and oh, they didn't person, know no. his family didn't know. No. I feel like that's a lot of people eh, that they don't mm-hmm. really share it. Cause they don't really think about the future and mm-hmm. what's going to come from this choice. It's a lifelong decision, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. But I'm glad that he told them quickly and everybody was supportive. Yes. So okay. they were all really welcoming. Awesome. Um, he is one of eight siblings oh, and wow. so an absolutely gigantic family. Um, and they've all been so kind and are helping me learn everyone's names and figuring out <laughs> how they're all related to me and who's who and yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So it's, it's been really positive. I, I recognize I'm very, very lucky in my story that I'm early discovery. I didn't have that trauma with opening a DNA test and finding out I'm donor conceived. I didn't have that trauma of rejection from the, the donor, my biological father, um, and so I'm very blessed in that in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it's been an easy journey, but I'm it's sure not. been yeah. easier than many, okay. many people. Well, yeah, you hear some really awful stories and it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That's why it's I want to have these conversations because I want to see where can we make a change? What needs to happen to avoid these kinds of things? Um, I just wanted to go back because you said that he has an enormous family how what is your mom's family like and do you have any siblings like so i was not ra- i was raised an only child oh, so okay. i well, that's a change um, <laughs> a very big change yeah. so my my mom has two siblings but okay. we're not a super like close knit family we don't see each other often okay. we're kind of spread out across the country anyways so and then my cousin's an only child and so it we're okay. just very small <laughs> okay um, so that's an adjustment. Our entire ho- family holidays fit around my grandma's dining room table, you know, like six to eight people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now with my biological father's family, they rent out a 
an event center for their holidays. What? <laughs> yes. Because there's yes. that many. There is that many people. Like it was standing room only wow. at my last Thanksgiving with them, which okay. is incredible. That is I, so I cool. absolutely love it. I have I'm always sure. dreamed of having a big family I'm because sure. I came from such a small family. Right. And it's kind of great to have the best of both worlds. <laughs> so. No, but I love that. So you get to have the big family experience mm-hmm. and that's really cool. I'm happy for you that it worked out well. Yes, thank you. Cool. Of course. You said in your email that mm-hmm. you have a well, half sibling. I don't know what the mm-hmm. proper terminology. Do we have to add the half in it? Is I don't. It just- I, I only say that if I'm describing the relationship to someone else. So okay. technically so he's my your half brother. brother. Okay. Yeah. But, but he's yeah, your brother. We, we, he calls me his sister to all okay. his friends and yeah. I'm his brother. So or, Okay. No, I'm his sister. He's my brother. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So I think that that language is kind of important. And I know I'm not going to say that someone has to say it a certain way, whatever works in your family. But I know from my own experience, like I said, the half brother, half sister situation. And technically my two kids are half siblings they don't know anything other than each other. So mm-hmm. the half is it's like causes a divide. I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes when we use that terminology and really enforce it, there's the half and there's the step and there's the, like, can we just eliminate that? Like your siblings. Right. right? I feel and like you're just siblings. It's just, let's normalize that a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. Especially in the donor conceived world. A lot yeah. of people use that language to be divisive like I should not want to see my half brother because he's just a half brother um and to me that's extremely offensive I we he's 12 we have a 15 year age gap and we clicked right away like multiple family members have said that we're like each other's missing piece because we just we complement each other so well and even his mom said that knowing me has answered so many questions for her about why he is how he is because we're so similar and it's just so interesting because we didn't grow up together I mean even if he was my full sibling we would not have grown up together but so but we we complement each other so well and just love spending time with each other and it's been so fun getting to know him over the last two years and he'll video call me after school with his little friends you know he's in what fifth and sixth graders on this video call with me (laughs) playing video games and I'm like what is my life (laughs) but I have so much fun with it and when you know all of a sudden he's like I have a sister guys they're like okay can we go back to our video game (laughs) they don't know what's going on no one cares (laughs) people people think it'll be a lot bigger deal to kids than it actually is yeah they just point that's my sister and move on with their lives like I show up to I went to one of his basketball games he lives a couple hours away all the adults were looking at me but the kids were like oh hey (laughs) you know because who cares that's his sister yeah (laughs) It's so funny though, because they're so like, they pick up the energy too. Right. And if you just tell them this is what it is. Okay. What they're not going to question it. Right. But if you say it and it's like, you have doubt and you have insecurity about it, they pick up on that shit Mm -hmm. big time. So absolutely. I mean, you're his sister. Okay. No questions. No, nothing. (laughs) That's fine. But that that's exactly it. I think that people can learn from that too, when they're having these conversations. And if you have somebody in your family that now you're learning that they have, 
a child that they you didn't know about. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And mm-hmm. some people can be like, what the hell? Take a minute to breathe, but also remember that this is a person and they're mm-hmm. a part of your family and whatever, you know, just be open-minded and respectful. Yes. I think. Yes. Big time. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. You said right when you said it, I was like, oh my God, I got to ask her. So mm-hmm. they live only a couple of hours away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so did that work. So when my mom was picking a donor, yeah. she wanted someone out of state. Right. And so that we didn't have that risk. And she was actually told that the donor was from Ohio. My mom was born and raised in Ohio. So she's like, this is cool. We'll have a connection to my, my, you know, roots, my Buckeye yeah, roots yeah. without actually us living there. Cause we don't live in Ohio. Okay. And, but we won't run into his family or him or his children or, you know, any potential intersex. And, um, that's not true. He lives in my state. He, his family is an hour and a half away from me. Some of his family is within 30 minutes of me. Oh my and, God. Um, yeah. So not that's true. Crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So maybe it's not avoidable. Yeah. That's actually something that for me, because living in Montreal, Canada, the donor that like the bank that I use, it's from California. This person could have been in California for work. They could, you know what I mean? People move. So like there's this false sense of like, they're really far away. So that's never going to happen or whatever, but we don't know what's going to happen later on in life. And your story proves that, right? That they could be next door. You never know. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's never been in Ohio. So he doesn't know where that came from. What? Because he donated while he was in college at a college in my state. So, so we really, you know, unfortunately we've seen that where banks or clinics Mm -hmm. modify records to be Mm -hmm. sellable. And so, um, and ironically the college that he went to and most of that family goes to is the college my grandma, my, my mom's mom thought I went to like in her mind, she, she kept thinking I went to that school and I'm like, no, I'm, I had a different school, the same colors, but a different school. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. Grandma's intuition so, or something was telling her. I know. Something. It was so funky because I'd buy them, you know, swag with my school on it, ornaments, <laughs> you know, everything. And she would ask about the other school. And my grandpa was always looking at her like, what are Get you it right. talking about? No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's it's it was so weird when I discovered that they all went to that school. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, it was all meant like I'm kind of into that whole like woo woo <laughs> Just, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And maybe grandma was onto something. She knew. She knew something. I have no clue. That's cool. So, and like, even with the law school I chose, I did not know him when I was going through the, taking the LSAT and all these things. He went to that school and the place I chose to sit at in the library, like my favorite place to study, it's next to a picture of him. And so I could have gone to that school for I go part-time so for four years been next to a picture of him and literally never known what Mm -hmm. that's insane Mm -hmm. okay I need a Mm -hmm. second to just like how crazy is that Mm -hmm. like discover that was that cool what was that what did that feel like other than (laughs) it's still kind of mind-blowing and I and I took a picture of it and posted on Instagram and I said hey I think I know you know I recognize this face you know and joking and his family was all like, oh my gosh. And how so, crazy is that? 
Mm-hmm. And when I when I tell my my peers at law school, the ones I'm close to, all know I'm donor conceived. I'm very involved in advocacy and stuff, so it, it is right. not a secret to anybody. Yeah. But they're, they're just like, this is insane. Like you have his face. Like how you like you would have been right here and never known. How crazy. Well, I'm happy that you know, and I'm happy that you, I'm sure you probably, or maybe, and not to assume, but maybe still have some questions that you're working through. I don't know, but I'm hoping that you have most of the answers to the questions that you may have grown up with, because I think that's really important too. And when I was starting this route, because you have to go, I don't know how it is everywhere, but for me, I had to meet with a, a psychologist, which I've previously mentioned, and just to see like, why are you doing this? You realize what you're doing and so forth. And um, they said, like, it's just so important to have these conversations with your kids and to let them know immediately that they are donor conceived, be transparent, give them the wording, give them the tools, um, help them be confident in their story. Um, But they also said that some kids will be happy just with that, just knowing that your donor conceived and they'll be able to just leave it at that. But there's also other kids or soon eventually adults that want to know more and will sometimes be met with roadblocks or, you know, people that may not want to know them. And it's really fucking devastating, but we need to be aware of that. And I don't think because I get DMS up the wazoo um, of people saying, well, what are the legalities? What, you know, what do I expect? And it's, we can say this is what to expect, right? Big picture, whatever. But sometimes it's not that, right? Sometimes it is going to be a disappointing story and they're going to be met with things that are really sad. Or it could be a beautiful thing and get in, get buckled up for that ride because it's going to be nuts. They're going to meet a shit ton of people and it's going to be so cool. But I don't think people really realize sometimes when we make this choice, like this, like I said before, this is a lifetime choice you make a choice today that's gonna affect this child forever so we need to have these conversations and be prepared right Absolutely. and to really help them so I love what you're doing with the council I want to hear obviously more about mm-hmm. it how I can help how listeners can help what can we do to absolutely please- and I and I think something that you mentioned is really important that some people don't care and that yeah. is 100 percent okay Yes, We advocate for the option. So U.S. Donor Conceived Council was founded in um, 2022. So it's, you know, kind of our birthday month of our anniversary of being incorporated. (laughs) Okay. And and, um, we got together. We all have very different stories and perspectives. So it's it's great working with these people. Mm -hmm. And we basically got together because we want more. We don't want this next generation of donor conceived people to be as traumatized by, unfortunately, our generation is. Yes. And I, even though I have the happy story and I've been labeled as the happy donor conceived person versus mm-hmm. the angry donor conceived person, yes. I see all of the issues in the industry and I see how many times things could have gone wrong for me and how many things how many times things did go wrong for others. And so if I can have an impact on that and help even just one, one state, like we did in Colorado or one person's story change for the positive, I'm going to do that. And so my role 
in the U.S. Donor Conceived Council or USDCC is government affairs. And so I handle all things advocacy and do the different strategy, work with legislators, talk with stakeholders, do volunteer recruitment to make incremental changes that while they might seem small, that we're going for the low hanging fruit or whatever, it makes a big impact. And so one of the things that we did in Colorado for Colorado Senate Bill 224 was open ID at 18. And we heard from a lot of parents, well, my kid doesn't care. So why, why does this matter? And we're like, it's great that your child doesn't care. That's fine. Mm-hmm. The system right now is set up for someone that doesn't care. But what about yeah. the people who do? And open, yeah. a- open ID at 18 doesn't force you to get this information. Right. They don't mail something to your house and demand you to open it. Right. It's just there's a system in place that this information is stored and you mm-hmm. can access it 18 right. years down the road and this donor conceived person can find out where they come from. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big priority for us. That's amazing. Um, then another one is family limits because we see time and time again, these donor conceived people with 30, 40, 50, 60, a hundred plus siblings. Yeah. And that's traumatic. Not like, sure. Already when you find out that your donor conceived, a lot of people want to know where they came from and want to know all of these things. So they do DNA testing, but every single time a sibling pops up, you're re-traumatized because then you're helping this new sibling through their journey if they don't already know. And so it's reopening all these old wounds of you didn't know Mm -hmm. um, and you're helping them and guiding them and they're having to learn about potentially the donor rejecting them or potentially some siblings that don't want to know. And it's really hard to maintain sibling relationships with 30 people. And so you're then put in the place of having to give up those family connections because either you mentally can't handle it or it's physically impossible. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a tough place to be in. And so with these family limits, it doesn't limit how many siblings like one person can have you can have as many kids as you want with the same donor as long as the the sample is there you know supply Um, but it limits how many families get sold the same donor and so that will hopefully help reduce the number of siblings out there in the world and especially with some banks they ship internationally and so you're getting children all over the world with the same biological parent yeah. And then you're trying to make connections with people all over the world. <laughs> and yeah. so, so it's How a lot. How do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. So, so this family limit in Colorado is a 25 limit um, through surveying the community. We'd lo- love to see it, you know, 10 or below, but yeah. there, there's a, a lot of progress to be made. Right. Well, is there something that we can do? Is there like, as just me, just a regular person or people that are listening, is there something that we can do to help make a change to make these things happen? Absolutely. Um, so we are in the process of recruiting volunteers. Sure. We have a lot of different committees that we're posting on our social media. So right. go ahead and follow our Instagrams and Facebook pages and yeah. get involved. I'm drop them in the story notes. Wonderful. And so because everyone has unique life experiences, but also everyone has different skills. And we want to put those skills to mm-hmm. 
to work because everyone with USDCC is a volunteer. Everyone has day jobs. Everyone has, you know, a lot of people have kids, other lives. Mm -hmm. And so the more people that can help, the better. And especially parents have a big voice. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, donor conceived people aren't always listened to because we're not the patient. We're not party to the contract that was made. And so the more parents that help us and join with us and talk with us and talk for us not over us but for us with us yeah the better we're getting more parents reaching out to us and they're reaching out to their legislators and they're having more luck than we did because they were a party to the contract which is gross may i just say (laughs) everyone should have a fucking voice just if anyone's listening that you know has some power okay but absolutely so all the moms please that are listening or trying to conceive moms, whatever it is, wherever you're at, let's do something. We can all band together and make some change for our kids or our future children. Cause I think it's really important. And for the people that are dealing with these shitty issues that shouldn't be in existence anymore, at least like today's the day to end the bullshit really, excuse my language. (laughs) But yeah, if we can just, one small thing like you said it might seem like low-hanging fruit or whatever f that like i'm sorry we Mm -hmm. have to start somewhere and i don't care what it is that you're working on in your life or whatever you have to start somewhere and doing something is better than nothing so we'll do what we can and i'm definitely i'm going to drop the the handle where they can follow underneath at the bottom of the of the um the podcast um and i'll tag it also in the stories and everything just everyone check it out because i think it's really important wonderful yes please please reach out (laughs) yeah absolutely oh did you have um any advice for other donor conceived people or not maybe not advice but just i don't know words of love or encouragement that maybe you would like to add yeah absolutely i think there are a lot of people out there that want to help you and see you thrive in life Mm -hmm. and you don't have to go through this journey alone. There are Facebook support groups. Uh, Donor Conceive Community does uh, peer support groups through like virtual Zoom so oh, that wow. you're connecting with people face, you know, face-to-face as much as possible. Yeah. And there are, you know, private messages, Instagram chats, like literally we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. There are hundreds of thousands of us. <laughs> so we right. are, we're there for you. You don't have to go through this alone. Don't feel like you're burdening people with Mm -hmm. talking about your story and your perspective because odds are there's people with that exact same um crap that happened to them as well Mm -hmm. and they can help you through it and we we're all there for you and so you'll see it time and time again people post in the support groups and you can tell when it's their first or second post they're very hesitant and they'll get 100 comments like i'm here for you i'm so sorry that happened to you um, feel free to message me. This happened to me too, you know, so, so we're there. And, um, so yeah, don't, don't ever feel like you have to go through this alone. Um, because your, your experience is valid. Your feelings are valid. I love that. I think it's important to know, like no matter, and I, I'm speaking from a different perspective, obviously, but I just, I think with raising my two kids too, like, I just, I want them to know, uh, whatever feelings that they have. And as people know, also Riley, I had with my ex, but she has her own feelings and her issues or whatever, not issues, but her own hurdles, I guess. But I like, no matter what you're feeling, there's probably somebody out there 
or there's guaranteed there's other people that have lived a similar experience or are facing a similar experience. So never, ever, ever keep it to yourself. Just somebody's going to be there to listen. So just like you said, find somebody that you can chat with at the link at the bottom of the podcast. There's going to be plenty of people to chat with there. So just as you say, reach out, right? Yes, I want to have absolutely. these conversations. Okay. Well, that's amazing. Um, and on the opposite side, I wanted to see if you had any advice for single moms by choice. How can we do better? How can we make a difference? Or I think single parents are in the unique perspective. Like it's harder to hide that you had a donor. So many people <laughs> admit, you know, tell their kids, it, it, there's right. a lot of early discovery going on. But still, it's important to recognize that if your child asks about the donor, that's Mm -hmm. okay. It doesn't mean they don't don't love you or don't care for you or want something different. It's just curiosity. You know, if they look in the mirror and, you know, don't know where their nose came from or don't know where different features of them come from, that's okay. Validate that, you know, that's probably hard to look in the mirror and not know that that comes from, you know, mom's side of the family or dad's side of the family and offer a DNA test. If, if you're, if you're willing to do, do connect with other people, um, just keep it an open conversation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I hear from donor conceived people that they were afraid to bring it up because they didn't want to hurt their parents' feelings. And then I hear from the parent, well, they never brought it up. I didn't know that they were interested. And so just have that normalize that conversation um, don't put it all on the donor conceived person to bring it up because they might right. not out of fear right. for hurting your feelings. But also kids can be mean. Like I was bullied for not having a dad. So it I just was actually, I have that marked down. Did you yeah. face any bullying yeah. or you were? And, wow. and because, and because elementary school kids don't know what donor conception is. They thought I was lying and that really my dad left me and didn't care about me and like all of these things. Ugh. And so I'd go home really upset, even though I know knew the truth, but it's just hard to then fight that. Like my dad didn't care about me. That's why I'm donor conceived, but it's really like my dad didn't know I existed. And right. you know, There's <laughs> no layer of, he didn't want you at all. Yeah. I could, you're having that thrown in your face mm-hmm. by your peers or whatever. Like that's really shitty. That's horrible. Yeah. And so can I ask how you dealt with that? Did you talk to your mom at that time so about it? My mom's actually a psychologist. So, oh, so I'm in definitely that, talk to mom about yeah, that. She I'm in that really up. unique perspective. Wow. Okay. Um, and can we talk to mom too? <laughs> she sounds great. <laughs> yeah. So so I talked to her about it and it, it was really encouraging with my friends at the time, their parents would talk to me as well. And their their dads I sometimes I would call them my dad as well, just because I I craved that kind of person in my life. Yeah. And, and they would be like, you know, I'm always there for you. I'm not your dad, but I'll be your dad figure, you know? And so, so it was great having that support when it was something that I, I craved. Yeah. Um, and I, I was a figure skater growing up and some of the men at the rink would also you know they'd they'd help me out when they'd see me on the rink or they'd talk to me along the side and just make me feel special um and and still have that kind of male role model in my life um which 
I didn't need, I mean, my mom is a strong, independent woman. Like she did not need help raising me, but it was nice having people that cared, like kind of creating our own village and people were just always supportive, which was great. Um, But at the same time, like your kid will hear a lot that having a single parent means less than like something I heard all the time. Like my mom is not enough. I am more likely to have a life of crime, more likely Mm -hmm. to not go to college, more likely to not do all of these things that I want to do in life. And I think that's part of the reason I have so many degrees. I have a bachelor's. I have three masters. I'm in law school. I do all of these things because I want to prove people wrong Mm -hmm. and prove that my mom was never not enough for me. Um, Because while I wish that I had known the donor growing up, I wish I had known his family. I wish I had been around for the 12 years of my brother's life. I never wished he was my dad. I never wish he parented me. I just wish he was around, Um, which is kind of hard for people to no, I get understand it. You or conceptualize the parental aspects yeah. because your mom was fine on mm-hmm. her own with that. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but this is where we have to leave things off for part one of the episode with Jillian. Come back next week for the conclusion of our conversation. Until then, check out the show notes for any references. And if you're considering choice motherhood, you can enroll in Single Mom Mindset today. And if you use code SAVE40, that's S-A-V-E-40, you will get 40% off. Now, this deal is only active for the first 15 students, so get in there ASAP. The amount of students that have been enrolling have been insane. It's a new year, 2023. We're stepping into our power, and I just want to add that if it is something that you are considering, it doesn't mean that you have to step into it right away. Um, Single Mom Mindset course is the first step towards this choice. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and come back next Thursday for an all-new episode. Bye!